Hello and welcome to episode 85 of the Arena Regulars podcast. I'm Zach. And I'm Jeff. And we're your source for weekly drunken Magic the Gathering Arena content. That's right. We're just two regular dudes drinking some irregular beers, talking about Magic the Gathering. In particular, the online client, MTG Arena. And today, specifically, we're talking about the Format Explorer. Because uh, we haven't talked about it in a bit. We're, we're coming back after a little bit of a hiatus. And uh, there are some new cards that have entered the format. So we should probably talk about if they uh, impacted the format at all. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but first, each week we both bring a beer. We drink Jeff's, then drink mine. Rate them on a scale of bronze to mythic. And choose the best for last. So with that, Jeff, what's on tap? All right. So I can't believe you're saying you said it was episode 85. And that's when we're finally doing Mad Tom. Uh, I think we did twice <laughs> yeah. as Mad Tom once, right? I think I brought twice yep. as Mad Tom. And I mentioned that, like, Mad Tom was the first craft beer that I liked, and it's, you know, local. Uh, well, it's from Muskoka, which is sort of the cottage country out here in, in Toronto land. And uh, we were just like, have we actually never done it? Yeah, no, this is the first time. So today we're going to do some Mad Tom. <laughs> It's, a, yeah. it's an IPA. So what is Mad Tom? If for... Yeah. It's a West Coast IPA. Um, they didn't used to call it that. I think that's like rebranded, you know, after. Oh, really? Because when this was first came out, there wasn't the craft beer scene here. So they just said IPA. And now we have so many different kinds of IPAs that uh, they've rebranded and decided to call it a West Coast IPA. But I don't think they changed the recipe. So it's 6.4%. Gotcha. And... Uh, yeah, it's it's a West Coast IPA. All righty, here we go. Ooh. Ah, it's been too long, Jeff. Yeah. It's been too long. Uh, <laughs> speaking of that, as we're pouring our beers, I'm going to throw you right on the spotlight. Sure. Um, do you want to tell everybody what's been going on? Okay. Uh, yeah, Maybe. so people may have noticed I missed a, a few weeks there, and there are reasons... Uh, I was going to say there's a reason, but there, there are reasons. Um, there are multiple. So the most important one is that uh, since we last spoke, I became a father. Yay! Um, <laughs> I actually, after we recorded the last episode I was on, at one in the morning is when we went to the hospital. And he was born, I guess, essentially, technically the next day at, uh, at 8 a.m. So, uh, yeah. That's what's been going on with me. And then we also moved. So we knew that we had a little one on the way. <laughs> we decided we needed a little more space. So we moved to Hamilton, which is uh, about an hour's drive out of Toronto, and bought a house there. Mm -hmm. And the plan was to move and then have the baby. But it actually happened in the other order. It was the other way around. So things have been a little hectic over here. Uh, glad to be back, though, but if you hear some crying in the background, um, it's probably my son. <laughs> probably. <laughs> it might be your wife. Yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> We're both pretty sleep-deprived. It could even be me somehow, you know, like... <laughs> mm -hmm. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, congratulations, Jeff. Um, Thank you. I'm sure everyone is very happy to hear that. You are now Dr. Dad. That's right. So that's pretty cool. Um, mm -hmm. um, <laughs> but uh, anyway, let's get into some magic news. So like I was saying, we had an uh, historic anthology six and explore anthology number one came out a couple weeks ago. 
So we're going to talk about whether they're worth a slot, essentially, the cards. Um, yeah, so we'll get into that in a little bit. But this weekend, there is a Gladiator event. Jeff, do you know what Gladiator is? Wait, really? <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. I actually do know... Okay, so I know that I used to know what it is. I, uh, mm. I have heard of this format, and I was on like the Discord server for it a long time ago. Out of, cur- oh, out of really? curiosity, not not because I was like playing, um, and I knew it was like a fringe format. But some some people like pros were talking about it, maybe got some traction at some mm-hmm. point. But I don't remember what it is. It's like, is it Singleton? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So it is. It's a fan-made format, and MTG Melee did a bunch of, like, tournaments of, with it, and it came out since, like, 2020, I think, is when it started. Um, <clears throat> but it's singleton, and it's also best of three. But there's no so- sideboarding. So it's still, like, the a singleton 100-card, like, commander thing. You just don't have a commander or a color identity, and you play a best two out of three match, which seems kind of nice. Um, but anyway, there's actually going to be, like, an event... Uh, coming up so uh, people have played this primarily on arena but it was through like the the challenges thing Um, that's where like most of the the games were played I don't don't know if people were were playing this in paper were they I don't think so they were just playing commander in paper well if it was born Um, in 2020 I have to imagine that this is a online format that's true hey that makes a lot of sense see that's why you're that's why you're the doctor um <clears throat> but anyway uh so this is the first time that like watsi is actually kind of noticing it i guess or like putting any sort of like energy into the format right which is kind of cool it might eventually become something um i don't know if it'll i don't know it, it doesn't really matter but uh there is an event this weekend it seems pretty cool I, I think it's free to, to enter, and there are a bunch of... There's, like, ten meta decks that they talked to, like, the Gladiator Discord, and people had come up and said, hey, these are some decks that people play. They're very popular. And so if you want to play, you just jump into that. You can go into even your own deck folder and just download the decks or whatever, copy them, and uh, and then you have a Gladiator deck. So is Gladiator supposed to be, like, only cards legal on Arena? I guess so. Um, it, that's it's basically like historic format, right? Um, because those are the only cards you can you can play. You can play everything, but only those ones. Um, so yeah, I guess it's also alchemy too. So um, ah, right. <laughs> it's just whatever cards are on arena. Yeah. So we'll see. But um, uh, yeah, just something new seems interesting. Um, I'll probably try playing it a little bit, but I am probably not going to get too invested. But who knows? You never know. You never know. Yeah, it sounds cool. Um, definitely worth a shot. Look at Arena, just adding formats left and right. Just, hey, you want a new format every six months? Yeah. Here's another <laughs> format. Do you want more formats? <laughs> Infinite ways to play. Uh, but with that, Jeff, let's get into the Explorer format. Let's talk a little bit about just what's going on in this, <laughs> this whole anthology business. Speaking of new Explorer formats. Um, yeah, this one was cool because, mm-hmm. you know... As I mentioned, I've been a bit busy lately. I haven't really played in a while. And so I, just when I jumped back on, this set was just out. I think you posted on our Discord, like, Kalidus or something. And I was like, oh, cool, Kalidus is in mm-hmm. it. And then that's it. That's the only spoiler I got. And then so 
I had to like look through nice. this on Arena itself, and I was like, oh, see, see, China, what's going on here? This is, this is fun. Uh, so it's kind of cool because normally I know every card as it comes out because we stay on top of things. Uh, and this time I just wasn't on top of it and I got to experience like the old fashioned, uh, <laughs> no pre-release thing where you just like open a pack of cards. You're like, oh, this is in the set. Okay, cool. Um, so that was kind of fun. <laughs> That's... And there was one card that really, uh. really made me happy when I saw it, uh, and I immediately crafted, crafted it. So, well, I'm sure we'll get to that and I'm sure you probably know which card it is, but, uh, <laughs> I, uh. There's one in particular that we'll, I want to talk about. Okay. All right. Well, I'm excited to figure out whatever that is, because mm -hmm. um, I actually don't think I know what it is, but, but we'll have to find out. Um, first off, the set is uh, ten. Uh, sorry, 20 cards. Um, so a lot of the anthologies we've been getting recently are 25, but the Historic and the Explorer one this time around are 20. Mm -hmm. uh, it's one Mythic, nine Rares, six Uncommons, and four Commons. Now, I did... A little bit of digging and the only reason i'm saying this is because i'm trying to illustrate the point that you shouldn't unless you really want to you shouldn't really buy the whole bundle it just never really feels like it's worth it mm -hmm. um and so it, it looks a lot similar to like the first historic anthology which didn't have any mythics it was like nine rares four uncommons and seven commons and so when they do it this way where it's not really rare top heavy if all the cards were rare and mythic then buying the bundle would be pretty great because you're like sweet 20 rares and mythics i'll spend the money for that i'll get it but when there are a lot of like commons and uncommons it's also sweet because then you can just use your wild cards and you don't have to spend any real money or like gems on it so uh that's my little little tidbit of like hey if you were upset or like talking about this anthology we're not going to look oh, sorry most of the episode, we're not going to be looking at it from like a value perspective because you should just craft the cards you want, and that's just right. how it should be. That just for all of the anthologies, you should just do that. Right. There's not that much to say about the value perspective. Just like don't don't buy it. Mm -hmm. Even just don't buy it. Like I haven't done the sort of break even here, but I, you shouldn't even consider it unless you are planning on playing every single card. And even then, I, I think mm -hmm. it's probably too expensive. Like, you're paying for the convenience of just clicking that button and having all the things. And they're trying to, like... Yeah. They're trying to, like, you know, make some money off people doing that, right? Like, yeah, it's no secret. Of course. Um, and the reality is, like, especially you'll see later, the way these things are designed is they give two or three, maybe even one card for each different archetype or like different style of deck. So if you're a control player, maybe there's like one mm -hmm. card in here for you. If you're a mid-range player, there's maybe two and so on. And so it's pretty unlikely that you even want all the cards here. So like don't, yeah, basically just don't buy this. Um, just craft the specific yeah. cards that you want. And it's totally fine to like let the dust settle on the format a bit too. If you're, you know, if you're, if you're okay with doing that, um, because also a lot of these cards might seem hyped and then just not at, not be good enough. Um, so like, yeah, you know, find find a streamer you really like, watch them like brew with the card, and if that seems fun, get it. If you kind of you know got it out of your system by watching them play, <laughs> perfect. Watch them build you all know, these sweet decks, don't... and then they just get their ass pummeled by red black 
mid-range over and over again and you'll get it out of your system that way you'll be like you know what that didn't look as fun as it seemed yeah. in my head so uh because <laughs> mm-hmm. it, it really never is <laughs> getting destroyed by the top deck is always uh sad when you have a brew yeah. so you know just uh re- just remember that um but anyway i was really happy because i went if you're like me i just went to every uncommon and common and i just crafted all of them because i'm like why not i have a ton of these stupid wild cards sitting around i might as well just get all of them just because it's fun and so i did um and that was that felt like splurging to me i was like ooh, so fun um and and (laughs) another thing when looking specifically at the explorer anthology is that it does kind of seem like i think the consensus was a lot of people were complaining that the uh a lot of the cards uh, don't necessarily fit in the Explorer format or Pioneer, really. They're just kind of like, why is this here? That's dumb. Um, and I have heard a lot of people talk about it. It kind of looks like the, the Historic Anthology and the Explorer Anthology used to be just a Historic Anthology. And then somewhere along the line, they decided to break it up and make it two different products and then add a bunch of filler which is fairly evident by the historic anthology having 10 <laughs> common yeah. lands. So yeah. uh, <laughs> that might be the, the tip off. That was um, so weird. But some of the cards were that you made. Yeah, so weird. Um, but I also went and crafted all those just to have them. But anyway, uh, there are some cards that you may come across in this anthology for Explorer that you're like, oh, that doesn't make any sense in Explorer. But in historic, that makes a bit more sense. You're like, okay, back to nature. That makes sense in, in historic because there's a bunch of enchanter, like enchantress decks. So destroying all enchantments makes sense. Anyway, I just want to get all of that out of the way because I know that people are like waiting to talk about it. And like that's, that's just been the hype for a long time. So let's actually talk about cards that are being played and decks that are being built, I guess, and in the uh, Explorer events. Yeah, so I think the card that everyone sort of saw here right away is Supreme Verdict. Um, Blue-White Control has been a real deck in Explorer <coughs> forever, or forever, since its inception, which was like, I don't know, last week or something. Um, the problem <laughs> with Blue-White in Historic, it's like, main, or sorry, in Explorer, its main weakness has been it just doesn't have a good uh, sweeper. It didn't have a good sweeper up until now. There there was like Doom Scar, it's okay, and then a bunch of four mana options that all have a drawback. Like they, they let, basically all seem to let your opponent draw cards. Fumigate, or <laughs> yeah, Fumigate's five or mana. Yeah. Or so they just were missing that Wrath mm-hmm. of God card, and now they have it. Um, Supreme Verdict, even a little bit of an upgrade over Wrath of God. Um, you know, in a in an era of magic where. Things can't be regenerated, and everyone's mana is always perfect. Uh, this is just, like, the best sweeper that they could ask for. And you can't have a good control deck without a good sweeper. That's why blue-white was always, like, on the verge of Tier 1, but probably not the best deck in the format ever. And now it probably is, like, if not the best deck, tied for the best deck just from having this card added. Yeah, I don't think it is the best deck, but it is tier one for sure pushing it. Um, if Rakdos ever fumbles, uh, you know, Azorius is right there behind it. Um, and 
supreme verdict is huge. Uh, coming from a mono blue spirits player who loves to counter all of my control players' wraths, um, this one hurts really bad. This one sucks yeah. a lot. Uh, I'm not happy that they actually printed this, and I, I did not craft any because fuck this card. <laughs> um, no, no, in, in all seriousness, no. Um, it does really give a lot of strength to control on everything that you said. Makes sense. Uh, but I did want to point out, so um, are you playing this in, or I guess maybe you haven't had time to play, but um, are you going to put this in your like Omnath, Omnivore deck? Because it is a guild card, and it could be found with Niv-Mizzet. That's true. Currently, I was running um, the three-mana, three-damage one. Yeah, because then your guys it survive. It might be worth a copy, like, and maybe at least some in the sideboard against creature decks. Definitely interesting. Mm -hmm. um, Blue-White's a little tough, because you want to ferry for sure. And then you can't, like, take this and Teferi. And, um, you also put, like... I guess Dovin's Veto out of the sideboard probably won't come in at the same time as this card. Uh, almost ever. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, but playing Teferi and this is awesome. I guess you can't both... You can't get That's both what I mean, yeah, You can't choose but both. Of having, <laughs> but having both, they, they work really well together. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> yeah, I would, I would definitely test out a couple copies of this, um... If I had the wild cards for it. <laughs> like, whenever this yeah. new stuff comes out, there's um, always, like, a tier list of how you want to spend your wild cards. And if I still have some by the time I would get around to that, then definitely something I would try. Yeah. Um, or if you end up playing, I don't know, Azorius Control for some reason, and you just have them laying around. But, uh, but yeah, this... Uh, this card is the reason I'm always scared of uh, control decks now, and it sucks. So uh, I actually stopped playing. Actually, so let's go into spirits because uh, as I'm, I, I, I'm just gonna get straight into this. But um, uh, mono blue spirits got a big upgrade with Mausoleum Wanderer. So it's another one drop that the spirits deck really needs. Um, it's the one one with flying, and then whenever a spirit comes into play, it gets plus one plus one. But the big thing is, you can sacrifice it to counter target instant or sorcery spell, unless its controller pays X, where is that's a Mausoleum Wanderer's power. This is usually really good against control decks or any deck that's trying to kill something or uh, kill me or destroy my board. But freaking Supreme Verdict ruins the card completely. So Mausoleum <laughs> Wanderer has been okay if not not great um so that makes me sad uh was really was really not thinking that that was gonna be a problem but it is so supreme verdict is on my the top of the list of cards i've seen the most and most annoyed by um because i was really hoping that i was going to have a lot of fun with my mono blue spirits but yeah wham, i wish wham, i could feel bad not, for you but the mono blue spirits player not being able to counter <laughs> something it's, it's just not tugging at my heartstrings <laughs> I just think so. Th I still think Mono Blue Spirits is a really good deck, mm -hmm. and it, it's poised fairly well. But now it just has much harder. Like control used to be a much easier matchup, and now it's so hard. And I'm just like, right? Yeah, it's crazy. Like it goes from an easy matchup to a a bad one, right? Just on one card. Mm -hmm. Which um, just from one card. So that's been really, really annoying. Um, so much so that I even I haven't been playing Mono Blue Spirits because of it. So um, that's kind of been my journey with Explorer recently, that I'm just 
not doing that as much. Um, but I think through the list with Mono Blue Spirits that I've seen, I originally was hoping that Mausoleum Wanderer was just going to replace Ascendant Spirit altogether. altogether. Um, cause I'm not really a big, big fan of it, but <sighs> I don't think that's the case. I think having, um, three different one drops is really good and being able to have a turn one play is really important and I got to keep all yeah. of them. And, uh, you know, through that, you know, Ascended Spirit has, uh, it's starting to grow on me a little bit, you know, it's starting you to... You maybe cut one. There's been some matchups where... I can cut one, yeah. So I don't need to have all four, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm liking it Do a bit better. the old rogues trick where uh, you cut one wind robber. It's like, I know this card sucks, but I can't just play four one drops. I need more than that. So I guess I'll play, like, yeah. three wind robber. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> also, I'll play 11 one drops instead right. uh, for spirits, but... Um, so I don't think, you know, I think Mausoleum Wanderer came off and was like, hey, this is going to be a sweet card for your deck. And it really is. And I'm so happy it's here. Um, but currently, I haven't been getting as much use out of it as I was really hoping. I thought it was going to push spirits into a different realm. And I think it feels fairly much. It just kind of feels the same a little bit. I don't, I don't feel like I got that much. But maybe I'm taking it for granted. I don't know. Maybe I'm just... Uh, being kind of annoying and pissy about control who knows yeah i mean muslim wander is like supposed to be good against control it's not generally that good against anything else like maybe it's okay against red black just because you can counter a removal spell or something but like the whole kind of point of this is you know i can counter a big spell that's going to change the course of the game like a wrath of god type thing yeah so obviously supreme verdict is a tough tough pill to swallow i i was sort of ambivalent about supreme verdict being in this because i knew it was going to happen eventually like eventually they were going to put supreme verdict on arena because too many people want it and mm -hmm. blue white controls like a popular deck in pretty much every format uh and it you know eventually it's going to need this to keep pace with the other decks I thought it was kind of interesting that there were, like, five different Wraths, each of which had their, you know, pluses and minuses, and you had to build your deck to respond mm -hmm. to the meta and, like, have a couple of each. Like, you don't want, you know, just four of any of them. You, you want, like, one or two of a few different ones. Maybe you like the whole Settle the Wreckage plus Wandering Emperor thing, but if you lean too hard on that, like, Settle the Wreckage is easy to play around. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not a guarantee that they're gonna, it's gonna get everything, so, uh, I thought that was kind of cool, and now it's just like, oh, you just play all Supreme Verdict, why don't you play anything else? Um, but, I, it had to happen eventually, so. <laughs> I, you know, what are you gonna do? I, I'm happy, like, so, so kind of with that, okay, alright, so here's a question, um, Everyone is really interested in... Sorry, everyone. Just yeah, just about everyone wants Pioneer to be on Arena as fast as possible. And Explorer is just kind of like a middle ground that's kind of a necessary evil until the devs can get all the cards coded. Um, are you happy with this? Do you, do you want Pioneer to get onto Arena as fast as possible? Or are you kind of interested in this in-between time where you get to have this different format that doesn't have all the perfect... Wraths or or kind of every 
deck is the same as the Pioneer decks, obviously, because right. that'll be what happens. If I'm definitely is. interested in the in-between time, because like you're saying, that's that's time to like explore different decks. Um, you know, if we just get Pioneer... Oh, Explorer. <laughs> right. If we just get Pioneer dumped on us, then we know the answer. Like, we just go over to the, the most recent big Pioneer tournament, or, you know, there's going to be a Pioneer Pro Tour or whatever. We just know what all the best decks are. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of more fun to me, but I also think Explorer is kind of cool and, like, I know a lot of people play Explorer and would love to, or sorry, Pioneer, and would love to play Pioneer on Arena, so I understand their perspective, too, like, oh, why are you wasting time on cards that nobody plays in Pioneer? Um, but to me, the cool thing is, like, exactly, nobody plays this in Pioneer. They might play it in Explorer for a while, like... You know, are there, are there no Siege Rhino lovers out there who who want their, like, three months of actually being able to maybe play Siege Rhino without being laughed at? Like, <laughs> come on, somebody's got to want that. That's true. That's true. I think that's actually a lot of people, because that was, when the first week came out, Siege Rhino was the deck I saw everywhere. Mm-hmm. I crafted a bunch of Siege Rhinos to play Abzan stuff. Um, uh, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Okay, it was fun for a time. Right. And then I got really frustrated um, because it just wasn't enough. Um, but I've heard so much about the card. It, it's one of those times where it's like, I have heard so many stories about Siege Rhino, but I wasn't playing during that mm-hmm. time. Right? It was one of the in-between times where I, I just wasn't playing Magic. And so being able to be like, oh, Siege Rhino, I could play this card that everyone talks about and they know it. And, you know, uh, other cards came out like... I don't know, whatever, other four drops that were really strong, and people would be like, oh, it's like the new Siege Rhino, or whatever. So it just felt cool to be a part of that meme for just a day yeah. or two, uh, until you realize that uh, you may not have wanted to spend your wild cards on it. Nah, I still yeah. think it's worth it. I'm happy that I had it. There, It was worth it. Was worth and it. that's it, right? Like, it's easy to say, oh, nobody plays Siege Rhino and Pioneer. Why would they bring this in if the goal is to push towards Pioneer? And it's like, maybe it's good enough for right now for a little while and people love this card like people love siege rhino um this was the best creature around what what is it 2015 or something jeez (laughs) so long ago um and the reality is like it was just a stat creature like this was just a lot to get at the time Mm -hmm. and it's just not true anymore like think about how much worse this is than like graveyard trespasser like it's a whole mana less just one color it's, you know, going to drain for probably the same amount, if not more, while also exiling stuff and just being a nuisance, like, also hitting for yeah. four a lot of the time. Like, this is just a much worse creature than Graveyard Trespasser, and Graveyard Trespasser. it's way harder to play. So, like, you know, I, I love Siege Rhino as much as everyone else, but uh, it's time is just sort of passed for these old formats like Pioneer. It just can't compete... Because when you're going to print creatures that are just good creatures, well, you have to make them better and better. And creatures are just kind yeah. of better than this. And so, you know what? Maybe in Explorer, mm-hmm. you, you have some deck where you go like Graveyard Trespasser into this. And that it's, it's like I have efficient creatures that drain you. And both. Um, it's hard for you to fight on both axes Ugh. kind of thing. So people love this card let's give it to them and let them try it out for a while i don't see anything wrong with that and this card technically yeah. is in pioneer so that's true that's true um 
I think with your little point about the in-between times, I do agree that it is kind of fun, though I am excited for the player base to kind of be connected and where it doesn't feel like this weird pioneer and pioneer light. I am really excited for the time where it's, it's just pioneer and I can have my deck on arena. And then if I like it enough on arena, I buy it in paper and I play oh, in yeah. paper. That sounds like a really fun time. So I, I'm excited for that. Oh, for sure. Like, I'm excited for that end state as well. I just, I'm not trying to get there as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd rather they, like, do it right rather than sure. do it fast. And, you know, the ultimate dream would be that in the time it takes Explorer to get there, Explorer forced people to try out decks that nobody's playing in Pioneer because you're missing, like, key cards for Pioneer decks or whatever. And then you discover some new pioneer archetypes mm. that actually have some legs because you were forced to play cards, try out cards you normally wouldn't have. All right. Okay. I'm on board for that. I'm on board for that. Um, I, I like the playing cards just because they, they were fun or, or they don't have space, but finding new archetypes for pioneer through a different format seems really right. cool. That would be sweet. I don't think Siege Rhino is that card, but... No, 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 <laughs> no, no. no. <laughs> But, yeah, you're right. We, there's definitely something that, that can be said about yeah. that. So um, here's pushing to, to find new, interesting, different, I don't know, Pioneer yeah. decks. Siege Rhino's not like the hidden potential card, right? It's like, Everyone knows what Siege Rhino does. It's, it's very clear. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's really clear. There's, there's no mistaking what that card is. Nobody looks at, like, Questing Beast and, like, I don't get it. It's like, no, I get it. You play this, you attack. No, no, no. no. To be fair, I don't know what Questing Beast does. I It's one of those cards that I don't get because I don't remember three of the no, lines you get of text it. on that card. You get it. You just don't uh, know everything it does, but you get that you play it and you attack uh, every turn, and that's what Questing Beast does. Uh, sure, sure, <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah. So I, I had talked to you, but I got to bring it up, this up again. But somebody had said, okay, what's better, Questing Beast? Or Siege Rhino. Mm-hmm. Like, if you could pick one, which one is better? And uh, obviously one has more words than the other one. But in in today, or I guess in Pioneer just in general, which would you which would you rather play? Which do you think is better, I guess? I think Questing Beast is better than Siege Rhino. But I would much rather play a Siege Rhino deck than a Questing Beast. Like, Questing Beast deck is just a green aggro deck. Nothing wrong with that. But uh, it's like the top end of a green aggro deck. And Siege Rhino wants you to do something a little different. I, I remember Absent Aggro was a thing, <laughs> believe it or not, when this card came out. It was one of the top decks. But there was, like, two versions of Absent that were the best decks. There was Absent Midrange and Absent Aggro. And it was, like, metagame dependent which one was best. But just remember, like, a three-color aggro deck with t- tapped Trilands and stuff. I was like, is this really happening? But... Uh, that was the case. Siege Rhino was the top end of, a, of an aggro deck. Uh, but generally, you wouldn't do that because uh, you, know, you want your aggro decks to be a little more consistent in the early turns with their mana. And so Siege Rhino's like, hey, play me in some sort of like shell where you blink stuff and like, you know, I, you, I get to get my ETB ability as many times as possible. Those kind of decks are definitely sweet, so... I want to be playing Siege Rhino more than I want to be playing Questing Beast, but I think Questing Beast is just a better card. Okay, all right. I, 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 agree, I agree with all those things, yes. I think Questing Beast is 
better, though. Th- of course, there's going to be a case where Siege Rhino's best when your opponent's yeah. at three. Duh. Opponent's um, at three and has like a three power blocker for questing beast or whatever. Yeah, you're like, all right, mm-hmm. makes sense. Um, but I guess if you're playing a Siege Rhino deck, you're probably going to want four Siege Rhinos because you're going through a lot of trouble to be able to cast it. Questing Beast, you only need two-ish. So from a value standpoint, if you're looking at wild cards, you know, you might want to, you'd rather have Questing Beast because it only costs two wild That's cards true. instead of four. Well, it's two mythics, right? I forget. I can't remember <laughs> if Questing Beast is a mythic. But. Oh, I don't think so. I think that's okay. a rare. Is it a mythic? Oh Feels my god! Feels like it could right. be a mythic. Sorry, talk about something while I uh, let me let me figure out if it's a. I don't think it is. I'm gonna look it up. Um, but uh, but I would <laughs> happily be playing the Absan Teleportation Circle ETB deck while Questing Beast kills me. That I would do that for sure. Hmm. I just don't <laughs> want to die at Questing Ponent Beast plays, either. No, you're right. Questing Beast. Okay. Opponent plays Questing Beast, and I play Teleportation Circle. Yeah. Yeah. Turn four. Yeah, it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Questing Beast is a mythic. You're right. Okay. Yeah. I just yeah. it just felt like such a rare to me because I opened it at my pre-release for Eldraine, so I'm just like, ah, it's easy. Fair. I always feel like cards that are just beaters should be rare. Like, oh, it's mm-hmm. just a big creature that attacks. It should just be a rare. But I think Questing Beast does, like, does, you know, cross the bar of, all right, let's just make this a mythic, because it's, uh, it just does a lot of, it just has a lot of text, I guess. Real quick. Uh, it feels, it feels mythic enough. Now, I didn't think we were going to get on this train of thought this episode, but whatever. Here we go. I, can you tell me, can you read Questing Beast? I have it right in front of me. Can you, t- can you tell me what Questing Beast does? Um, <laughs> okay, so it has uh, Vigilance. Right? Yes. Haste. Mm-hmm. Death touch. Yeah, easy. It can't be blocked by creatures with power two or less. It's true. Okay. And when it deals damage to you, it also deals damage. When it deals damage to the opponent, it also deals that damage to a planeswalker they control. That's right. There's another line of text, though. Oh, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I think I got them all. Yeah. Close. Um, this is the one that nobody... Oh, oh, it's the, like, damage can't be prevented thing. Yeah. Right. <laughs> this is damage can't... Yeah, that yeah. would be... I forgot the question. Be... Yeah. Sorry, let me read it. Let me... Okay, so... Dam- uh, combat damage that would be dealt by creatures you control can't be prevented. When is that going to... What? <laughs> right. <laughs> It matters at the weirdest times, and everybody forgets about it. And you're just sitting there, like, why did why does Arena think I'm dead? And then it's like, oh, because I because I am. Yeah, uh, I guess same like, thing happens with stomp occasionally. Like mm-hmm. someone stomps you, even though you think you prevented the damage, you just don't, and you die. Yeah, like oh, uh, forgot about that. I guess so. You if you're in like the whatever Celestia uh, nine lives thing then you just play your questing beasts is that what you do that's how you win um yeah it really was when like nine lives was everyone was playing it in best of one Uh, i remember pv posting that because people were like farming some arena open type day one thing with a best of one nine lives deck and he just had like four bone crusher giants randomly tossed into his deck and his plan was to just stomp them out of the game and uh, he went like seven. He had, he posted him going seven and zero or whatever. It's like just stomp out the nine lives plates. Yeah, I was like that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah that makes a lot of sense. All right. Um, wow. Anyway, oh, oof. that was just a, a 
just a I loved that whatever that was um okay <laughs> do we want to get back on topic do we have time yeah how's your beer my beer is doing pretty good so um I think I have time for yeah. one more card uh do you want to talk about the oh, obvious one geez. and then do the special ones after the break maybe save some fun stuff for later obvious one being the soul mythic rare in the set mm-hmm. I thought that would be the obvious one so yeah yeah uh, and like the only card, by the way, that the best deck in the format really got from this, mm-hmm. um, and that's Kalidas Trader of Get. Uh, so if you haven't played against this card before, then you're not as old as I am. I used to put this in like every standard deck that I had, um, and it was like f- kind of fringed, uh, but it was very good in certain matchups. And then it got really expensive and people played it in modern and all that. But uh, it's two black black for a 3-4 lifelink. If a non-token creature an opponent controls would die, exile it, and you get a 2-2 black zombie. And then two and a black, sack a zombie or vampire. Put two plus one plus one counters on it. So I think this is a cool card to include because... I mean, I've seen people slotting this into their main deck of red black. I don't think you should do that. I think this is like a sideboard card. And the other thing is, like, this is sideboard graveyard hate, essentially, or, like, exile instead of death kind of hate. Mm-hmm. And um, red-black already has a lot of graveyard hate. So this is more specialized in, like, it's good against sack decks because that's what it does. If, if they would sack something, it gets exiled instead. And so I think this is a really cool card to include. It's, it's really powerful. It can do the thing on its own but i also like that if you want to play vampires you just got a really strong vampire Mm -hmm. so it's almost like a bigger addition to a fringe deck than it is to the top decks but it's still like a a really strong mythic to have topped out so i think if you're gonna have one mythic rare this is uh, i think there are a lot of good choices but this is a totally reasonable choice for the format yeah this card is one that I wasn't really playing a bunch around this time, like I said before, Siege Rhino. Um, and this was like the set, uh, I guess it was like the next year. But, um, right. Yeah, so mm-hmm. I was extremely unfamiliar with this card, and it is uh, great. It's fun, like, it's cool. I like having it around. It doesn't feel crazy oppressive, but um, it is. It just, every time my opponent plays it, I'm like, oof, this is going to be tough, but, like, I don't think it's just the worst thing ever. Like, I just ruined everything. Um, and I think, for your point, the random off-meta vampires deck that, you're, are you talking about the one that's mainly trying to get Soren out so that you can play, um, what's his name, from uh, New Capena for free? Uh, Xander? Or, or even just, you know, even just Champion of Duskit, you know, just, mm-hmm. like do it old school doesn't but uh i was just thinking vampires in general i i wasn't sure if they've kept up with that xander stuff or if they've realized that it's probably <laughs> it's, not the best idea. that's not so good um i mean like i keep running into that xander deck so i don't know every time i see that soren i'm like is xander coming i think that's what's happening um but even if they play like <laughs> well sometimes they sorry go ahead no no i was just gonna say even if they play the soren and then play this right after like this is still a pretty good target to like cheat into play uh, where you get a Planeswalker and right. a 3-4 lifelink um, on the same turn. It's just like, okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I was going to say that too. I figured you were going to say the same mm-hmm. thing as me. Uh, yeah, like, it's totally a very strong play to go Soren Kalidas. Yeah. Uh, and s- sometimes they, like, do the Xander thing, and I'm sitting there, like, 
Man, I'm really glad that wasn't a champion of dusk. <laughs> it's just Xander. Whatever. Whatever. Kill it. Let's move on. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know. It like milled half my deck or something. I don't care. Uh, no, if, if Xander rounded up, it would be devastating. Yeah. But because it rounds down, it's just like, I don't know. You can beat it. Exactly. Yeah. And I think, like, what's the first thing Xander does? It's like it, it, it makes you discard half your hand or something. And right. usually you're like, yeah. It ends up being like two cards, and it's like, all right, it was a mind rot. Like, it's not the end yeah. of the world. But now and that's a, like at its best. Yeah, and it's like now there's just a 6-6, six, six, like, okay, like, that's that's fine. Right, and, and like mind rot 6-6 six, six is very powerful, but it's not like I build my whole deck around this combo. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to get it 30% of the time or whatever. It's like, but otherwise I have an uncastable card. Um, it's not that good. It's still, yeah, 6-6 six, six on turn 3 that mind rots them. It's very strong. Yeah. But if, if that's what your whole game plan is dedicated to, it's not that strong. It's not going to win you the game. Exactly. Uh, uh, I guess unless you're, unless you're playing against me who has no way to destroy a 6-6 six, six because I play decks that can't kill 6-6. Six, six, yeah. So, um, <laughs> that becomes a problem. Yeah. But, uh, but, yeah, no. Overall, I'm, uh, I'm happy with Kalidus. Uh, it seems good. You know, all these, like, anthologies and stuff, they have to have, like, some flashy ones to get you invested, and then all of them are going to have kind of smaller uncommons and uncommons to pad it out because they want to slowly dole it out because it's easier that way and they get money that way. So, I don't know. There's no reason to, like, really fight it. So, uh, I don't know. Sorry, I'm going to go into another rant about yelling about Watsy, so I should probably sit down and stop yeah. before we get too deep into that. And at the end of the day, this is like, it's just a 3-4 lifelink if you kill it, right? So, um, it's, uh, it's a good card that can take over the board, win the game on its own. Like every, like every card in red-black, it seems like. If you don't kill it, you're probably just gonna die. But, yeah. uh, yeah, it's just another one of those. Yeah. Whatever. Um, before uh, we, every every threat is like that. Exactly. Um, before we go on a beer break, because uh, I'm gonna need one soon, uh, I have a quick story. It doesn't really it isn't much, but I've been playing mono red uh, since I got frustrated with uh, mono blue spirits. So just another monocolor deck. Why not? Um, and uh, well, silly me is not paying too much attention, and I uh, my opponents at two. They have a Kalidus in p- play. And I attack with my Robber of the Rich. And off the top of their deck, there is a Bone Crusher Giant. And I'm like, oh, sick. Uh, so if I hit Kalidus, then I can kill the Kalidus with the Bone Crusher Giant. Sick. Instead of being like, oh. Like, I was like, if they block with Kalidus, you know, I'll deal the extra two damage. Instead of stomping their face. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> Classic. Classic. So I let that happen, and then I uh, immediately regretted everything and spammed the oops button to my opponent, being like... Because they paused for a second during blocks, being like, are you not going to kill me right now? I ended up losing... I that was an event. I lost the match, and I ended up going, like, 5-1. and one. So that would have been the match that let me win oh, this stuff off of a really bad misplay. Um, so... Yeah, uh, yeah. Got, I, I'm not. That's proving that I'm not a very good red player because I don't think about burning my opponent's face very often. Um, that's just not in my yeah. wheelhouse. You got to get into the zone. Like I know. Whenever you see a really good red player, it's like their opponents at eleven. They have mm-hmm. a lightning bolt. They're like, I 
think I'm supposed to lightning bolt their face. Like, what, really? <laughs> and then three turns later, four turns later, they kill them exactly. Mm-hmm. It's like, how did you know that you were supposed to lightning bolt their face there instead of the blocker? I wouldn't have even thought about that. Yeah. I would have just lightning bolts the blocker and attack. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's almost like your their default is face, and then they think about, ah, maybe I guess I have to waste this on a blocker. Whereas I'm like... I'm only going face if it's lethal. Everything else is going. Yeah, that's that's how I feel right too. When, whenever like a red player like, you know, turn two stomps my face, I'm like, okay, all right, we're good. I'm uh, yeah. I, I my creature's alive. I don't know why you didn't kill that. This is so much better. Um, yeah. <laughs> and to them, and then I lose, and I'm like, how did that happen? And they're like, right. Because I stomped your face on turn two. And you're like, if only I had two more life, I would have stabilized. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Oh, anyway, uh, Jeff, do you want to go to a beer break and get some more beer? Let's do it. This episode is brought to you by PlayExplorer.com. <laughs> That's right. They aren't a sponsor of us in any way, but they certainly powered this episode. <laughs> that is right. So thank you to, to whoever does that. <laughs> and hey pretty soon it'll be playing pioneer and they won't have the need for the two different sites so. that's true that's true so uh keep keep it up good job people over there doing that thing <laughs> um sweet jeff i have another beer in front of me that i brought same for episode another this is another one that uh i'm surprised it's taken us 85 episodes to get around to but it just seems so you know um i don't know uh it just it's such a classic that it never seemed like the right time so we decided you know today's the right time this is from right. collective arts it's uh life in the clouds it is their new england ipa it is 6.5 percent and it's with simcoe and mosaic hops um this is one that you drink a lot uh i just know from our yeah. after parties it, yeah <laughs> you, have, you have this one around a lot yeah it's like you're saying crazy that it's the first time we're doing it because i think since we've started the show this has just been my go-to like ipa that i'll grab off the shelf of the of the liquor store yeah interesting i'm, I'm excited to taste these back to back because these are both mad tom and life in the clouds are both ipas that i see and don't usually pick because i'm usually getting rhyme or reason or um jutsu i think are the ones that i usually pick for ipas if i'm just going to go to the store um I just have over and over again, so we'll see if I this is changing my mind. But uh, anyway, let's uh, let's go. Let's crack them. Ready? And now I'm uh, representing for the hammer too. So this is a uh, Hamilton local beer. Ah, for the hammer. Sorry, what? What That's is right. that? <laughs> it's uh, it's Hamilton. Hamilton is the hammer. Yeah, yeah, it's what the cool kids call it. I don't know if Collective Arts can really be called Hamilton anymore because they're so widespread and they have, like, a place in, in downtown Toronto now. But, uh... Yeah. They did. I guess I just they think do have a brewery in Hamilton. Does it say it on the can? It does say Hamilton. All right, there you go. I was just going to think, because to me, they just seem like downtown Toronto because they've had a downtown Toronto location since I moved here, I think. So, anyway. All right. Cheers to this. Uh, let's talk a little bit more about uh explorer yes yes so the card I, i'm gonna start us off because that's just what's gonna happen um i'm gonna start us off with a card that i saw it was it was spoiled early and i saw it and was like oh sweet 
this is a card I'm going to for sure play. Uh, so it's um, Favored Hoplite. It's the uh, white one drop. That's a one two. It's a human soldier. And yeah. It has heroic. So when you target it with a spell, you put a plus one plus one counter on it, and you prevent all damage that will be dealt to it this turn. Um, oof. So not only does it get big, but it protects itself from damage things. Um, yeah, this card seemed really interesting. Unless they have a questing beast. That's true. Unless they have a questing beast, really important because questing beast is played in Explorer a lot. Um, Anyway, uh, so this card, I was excited to play with it, but I was going to wait till somebody else made a deck. And uh, there are people in deck lists going around that are like Boros Historic. Uh, sorry, Boros Heroic. That's the, that's the word. That's the real word. Um, mm -hmm. And basically, it's this card, and you're also playing... Um, uh, fuck, what's that card's name? Uh, uh, the 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 two drop red one three that attacks and you get to play spells from your graveyard. Dreadhorde Arcanist. Jeez. Um, oh really? Anyway, that's not yeah. where I thought that. I I thought you were talking about feather or something. No. Um, so I haven't actually seen any feather decks, which would be also good. But the um, Dreadhorde Arcanist have been pretty fun. Where, like, obviously you play it on turn one. I've on turn two, you play a bunch of stuff, and on turn three, you're playing your Dreadhorde with some more protection holding up, like God's Willing, or um, they're playing that one one drop from um, what, Midnight Hunt, where it's white, you give a creature plus one plus one, and Vigilance until on a turn, and then it has flashback to do the same thing. Um, but basically, you have a bunch of these one drops in your graveyard that give your creatures plus one plus one counters and do different things, and whenever you target your Hoplite, you get plus one plus one counters. You attack with those things, and then your Dreadhorde Arcanist gets to play whatever you want from your graveyard again, um, and you just kind of go through that cycle, which is interesting. Um, I will say, it's not good. It's not good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, the thing about Favorite Hoplite, which I love, but hate, is that it is a one-drop, and it does die to all of the most common good... Uh, removal spells from the best decks right now. Um, so it dies to Fatal Push. Its protection doesn't work. Um, it gets exiled by March uh, uh, of Otherworldly Light, which doesn't care if you can prevent damage. It dies to Fateful Absence. It gets bounced with uh, the freaking uh, whatever that blue card is. It just like it can it can survive stomp, and that's kind of what that's what you that's basically it. Yeah, even that though, like sometimes you you'll be tempted to like get this thing into combat and then target mm -hmm. it, and it won't take any damage, and then it gets stomped, and you're like, oh, it's gonna die now. That's yeah, it's fun. That's uh, fun because the stomp falls. Stomp stops. It. But yeah, <laughs> it's just prevents it's... the preventing. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, it's not. Fantastic. And I'm pretty upset by that because I thought it was going to be pretty fun. But I did let somebody else build the deck for me. Um, I'm sure there's other better versions of it, but the actual card, that card um, itself, just isn't really... It's part of a bigger deck, I guess, but it's just not... It just always gets killed by everything. And so you can't put too many eggs in that basket, and that's what the card wants you to do. So Those decks always suffer from the same thing, pretty much, that 
you're trying to play a lot of creatures because you can't win without creatures. That's your whole deck. But then you also can't win without your pump spells because your creatures suck without them. So you have to walk this really like tight line of playing enough creatures and playing enough uh, spells that it doesn't actually let you play anything else. And so you're kind of just all in on this one game plan that's really easily disrupted. I like the idea of Dreadhorde Arcanist because it lets you get card advantage in like a powerful way for the uh, deck. Like the same reason Feather was good. It's like it's card advantage in a way that you care about. Like I just want to recast my God's Willing over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem with Dreadhorde Arcanist, of course, is it can only cast God's Willing at sorcery speed, whereas Feather's like at least Feather got you a lock. If you had the mm-hmm. God's Willing, it was like almost impossible to get out from under the the Feather God's Willing lock. Um, I don't know. It just doesn't. If you're not recasting Thoughtseize, are you even Dreadhorde Arcanisting? You know, <laughs> like there's is, nothing yeah. quite like Thoughtseize Dreadhorde Arcanist, and your opponent's like, "Wow, my hand is going to be shredded." That's great. It it, it like, does seem a lot worse. Take the removal spell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it does seem a lot worse than uh, attacking and, and uh, you know, fatal pushing your blockers away. Um, that's yeah. just so much better. <laughs> Attack, um, fa- like, God's willing my Dreadhorde Arcanist so I can, you can't block it. Take one, bitch. So it, it doesn't die, yeah. <laughs> and I so cry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I think maybe if you're going to build this deck, um, do the feather thing or, or make an Azorius one. And uh, you can play more of the Enchanter stuff, but even with that, you're not drawing cards off of it, which is the thing you really need to do. So um, I'm I'm less interested in it. Yep. Uh, but you know, if you only have damage based removal, it's fun. But but like, if you're expecting it to be competitive, no. Yeah. <clears throat> I just uh, yeah, it was it's uh, it's. But anyway, Jeff, is there any card that you want to talk about from this set or things that you've seen or things you haven't seen, things you want to see? Oh, oh, there's plenty I want to talk about. So I'll, I'll make you make a choice. Okay. Do you want to talk about a card that uh, I like that they put in here or a card that I hate? That Ooh, they put in? Let's go with something you like because I just said something I liked that ended up going badly. So let's, let's get some more happy thoughts. Okay, let's get some positivity mm-hmm. back. Um, all right, so I like, the, and am surprised, that the card Rally the Ancestors made its way into, um, into this set. I think this is a really perplexing card to anyone who hasn't played against it, basically. Because... The reason I like this card so much is that when I I opened it, I think it was even at the Fate Reforged pre-release, and I was just getting back into Magic at that time, and I opened this rare, and I couldn't, for the life of me, understand why I would ever want this card, because, because, so what it does is X, white, white, instant, return creature cards with mana cost X or less from your graveyard to the battlefield, exile them at the beginning of your next upkeep now that sounds kind of cool right you're like oh yeah you get to bring a bunch of creatures back well notice that it doesn't actually give any of them haste (laughs) 
and they're exiled at your next upkeep. So there's actually no way to attack with these creatures if they don't have haste themselves. Because even if you try to, like, do some funny business on your opponent's end step, they exile at your upkeep. So, in principle, what you can do with this card is block, which is so lame. (laughs) (laughs) Your opponent attacks, you're like, ha-ha, surprise blockers, and then I lose my blockers too. Like, that's... What did I spend, like, seven mana on? This sucks. (laughs) So I remember, like, staring at that rare. Now, granted, I was, you know, building a sealed deck, so I had to be like, this is unplayable trash. Um, And, you know, maybe it's actually okay. I don't even know in sealed. But uh, this was a pretty powerful format, so I think I left it on the bench. Um, But then this very quickly became, like, the best deck in the format. (laughs) Uh, And... Essentially, it was like a really convoluted deck, but there was some cool stuff in it. Like you could, uh, you could bring back Jace Friend's Prodigy, and then on your upkeep in response to this, transform the Jace, like tap it and transform it. So anything that had like a tap ability could still be used in response to the the exile going on the stack on your upkeep. So it's like a very unintuitive card about why it could ever really accomplish anything for you, and then went from everybody thinking it was, like, unplayable garbage to people lamenting that Wizards would print such a powerful card and, like, how stupid the deck was and stuff. So I've always had a soft spot because I was just learning, you know, getting my getting back into the game and reading this card being like, oh, yeah, that's really good. You know, it just kills them. And then I'm like, oh, no, nothing can attack. This card sucks. <laughs> It's there's no reason I would ever play it. And then, like, a few weeks later, just being like, why is everyone playing Rally the Ancestors? Man, that card is good. <laughs> so I learned a lot, valuable lesson about magic from this card. Um, and I think it's right on that Siege Rhino power level where, like, this card asks so much of you that it's probably just not worth it in Explorer, but you could build a lot of interesting decks with it, and they, they don't really run the risk of taking over the format. So I think it's kind of a neat card to throw in here that can let newer players that haven't uh, had the had the joy of uh, getting beat by this card before figure out why it's ac- uh, actually a pretty yeah. good card. Because um, I've heard this card being very good, and uh, I, I've always had a hard time figuring it out, I, and and that's a very good explanation of Jace, Vrin's Prodigy, is a very good card, and this helps you play it again. Um, so that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I think it's more of, like, uh, if you think of, like, the obvious one is uh, aristocrat strategies. Mm-hmm. Like, if you bring back a sack outlet, like, a, let's say a Woe Strider, and then a Blood Artist, mm-hmm. and then a bunch of crap, th- then it doesn't matter that they're all going to get exiled. Like, you'll sack, you all. sack it all and, and kill them. That's how the deck really mm-hmm. worked. But the Jace, I remember, being, like, a nice little touch that you could rally back the Jace which could then uh, recast the rally. Uh, right, because it... That was what Planeswalker Jace did, yeah. was With Snapcaster stuff. Yeah, yeah. Sorcery. Um, nice. I, wa- yeah. I did want to say that every time I've thought about this card, just from a flavor perspective, that if you rally all of your ancestors, is the point that they're so old that they get exiled? Like, they just turn to dust or something afterwards? Because, like, all right... <laughs> I'm going to bring my ancestors back to fight, except for they can't really fight because they're all really old and dead. I guess, no, 
No, if you're if you're in this world, your ancestors were probably warriors who died when they were young. So if you bring them back, they're like young zombies. But I'm imagining a bunch of like geriatric uh, people just trying to uh, to I guess block for you. But <laughs> except that one guy who has haste, he yeah. charges. Yeah, exactly. Charges Thanks, Grandpa. <laughs> 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 um, oh man. Uh, so this is, uh, these are just more art based things. Um, I mean, like I, I just wanted to talk quickly about searing blood because, uh, I do actually think like mm -hmm. this card and any burned, I like burn spells that, cause I don't play modern red very often. Recently I've been more interested in it and searing blood is the kind of thing that I really like because it is the, the, what we were talking about earlier, where you have to choose between hitting their face or killing their blocker. Searing Blood is like, why don't you do both? Um, where you get to kill their blocker and hit their face, uh, which I do really like. But every time I've looked at this card and for its entire existence, so it's a picture of the guy holding his left hand, and, or I guess a person, I don't know if it's a guy or not, but a person's holding the left hand and uh, there's a big gash in it and the blood is coming out, but it always looks like cartoon pizza cheese. Th doesn't it look like someone's holding, like a Ninja Turtle? A Ninja Turtle's that. holding a pizza and the cheese is falling yeah. off of it. That's what it always looked like to me. And I'm like, hmm, it, like, <laughs> it makes me want to eat pizza. I definitely see it. Definitely see it. <laughs> that's that's my little thing about that card. Which, hey, that cheese gets hot, man. It does, and it sears your blood. That's what it does. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um, anyway, Jeff, you had mentioned there's another card you want to talk about that makes you really angry, and I would, I would like to know what that is. Yeah. So that card is uh, Elvish Mystic. <laughs> so. I just, I just have, to, I just don't understand why you put this card in this, like, set. Like, what are you, what are they trying to accomplish with this? I thought it was to give us fun cards that people liked, um, and, like, push us towards Pioneer. Elvish Mystic seems to do nothing other than, like, add, it just adds consistency to any deck that was playing Land War Elves. It's like, we already have this card. <laughs> I don't really understand why you're giving me a card that we already have and it's not like, like what are we what are, what's what are we trying to accomplish by putting elvish mystic in it just this feels like something that could have waited um since it it add, it does it doesn't actually add anything it just adds a card that we already had you know I feel short it I feel short a card <laughs> I I get it um Adding consistency, I'm fine with. It makes it so that people probably aren't playing Gilded Goose anymore. But is that, like, our top priority is what I'm asking? Because we have so many cool cards that people could want. Or, like, who, like uh, I don't know. I feel like the type of people that are really excited about Elvish Mystic, it's just, like, this product isn't for those people. <laughs> you know I mean... mean? Like, oh, my mono green Stompy deck is a little more consistent now. It's like, fine. <laughs> I think it, was that the point of this? Yeah, yes. Yes. Like could we have given Mono Green Stompy a better like a more fun card for them to have? You know what I mean? Like this this is pretty lame. It's I, a weird, yeah. I like it. I actually was pretty excited about Elvish 
Mystic <laughs> because I liked how consistent it made your deck, and I didn't like Gilded Goose as much as like a one mana accelerate, um, or sorry, yeah, one like mana dork. But um, it's like if they put, you know, if they, their next one contains like Wrath of God or something, it's like why, why? So that the control decks have Supreme Verdict five and six now. Like, what's why? Why is this here? <laughs> Except well, it's more egregious than that because it's literally the same card. It is. It's not even like mostly the same card, but a little worse. It's like the same card. Okay, well, so really what you have problems with is the fact that they printed uh, Elvish Mystic. you're building like a druid deck. Ever. <laughs> no, because Lanawar Elves is also a druid. I just looked it up. Um, <laughs> so. Oh, okay, so it's the same it's card. It's literally the same card. Um, but no, I think that, that your problem is actually just with wizards printing elvish mystic it's not about anything else it's just the fact that they printed so, the same card no again. and, and let, let, let me explain why <laughs> okay okay so so first of all the main reason they printed this is because they had made the decision that they didn't want cards that were like talking about land of war because they were doing all these other planes so they were like we're gonna make land of war elves but we're gonna have, make it have a generic name that we can print whenever um, then they went back to Dominaria and like we have to do Land of Worlds so now Land of Worlds is like in Arena and is you know classic but Elvish Mystic you know fine you want Land of Worlds that you can print in non-Dominaria planes and also I don't really have an issue with them printing the same card strong but you know like not the best like you know it's not like it's Birds of Paradise or whatever there's only one mm-hmm. Birds of Paradise Okay, fine. Um, it's just like when you have 20 cards to add to a new format that is you know, trying to push in new directions, this feels like a pretty lame choice to me because it's like we already have this card and it does, it, it, it adds like a mild amount of consistency because yeah, you, it's better than Gilded Goose in those decks, but like only by a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I, I I get it. Like I, it, it it's starting out as like a historic product, and they're like, oh shit, let's add some more cards, and they're like, wait, we could put Elvish Mystic because we already coded Lanoir Elves. We just need to do like a copy paste, and we just change the name and the art, and it's done. And that's that's basically what happened. Totally. That's it. Just it's just lame. Yeah. You know? And it's like, <laughs> if you're gonna cop out at least like don't give us a card we already have <laughs> and i know some people are excited because they're they're gonna be like yeah now i have eight land or elves and i'll be like cool that you know i don't know why it matters because my opponents all always had land or elves on turn one anyways so um now you probably have too many land or elves because yeah you know you that's only true. want one yeah that's true but uh I just feel like we could have given... Like, I understand we're trying to give stuff to different players. I feel like we could have given the green aggro deck players something more interesting than this. Uh, yeah. I, but hey, who knows? Maybe people love it. Maybe people are like, yes! I, yes, more Land of War Elves. I was a little excited. Because <laughs> then you have, like, you know, Land of War Elves uh, 5 and 6, basically. And you're like, okay, maybe that's enough. Maybe you, you only play... And I also understand, you know, you have to print a common that people are going to be like, cool, that's a cool common. And that's really hard to do because commons are lame. Yeah, it's because they, you know, it's uh, not like they're going to, like, put 10 artifact indestructible lands or something. That would be crazy. That's a dumb common to put yeah. in. 
Yeah. Speaking of here of the theory about historic, like, how obvious is it that Teamer Battle Rage is intended for historic? Like, it's just what could not be more clear that this is like. So real quick, what is that card for? What deck is that for? So it's was it's in and out of popularity in modern for Death Shadow. It mm. makes Death Shadow like insta lethal. Okay. It's, That's what I was. Um, because it gives it dub- double strike and trample. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you just die to Death Shadow if they have Teamer Battle Rage. Now, you know, it's really bad against removal, obviously, in the way that those cards always are. So kind of ebbs and flows in popularity, whether the Grixis Death Shadow decks run it. Mm-hmm. But traditionally, that's where it was. So gotcha. this was pretty obviously like an attempt to get people to play Death Shadow a little more. I was I because I thought it's part of the problem in historic people were like oh we don't have battle rage we can't even kill them they just chump block our death shadows. See, I, I thought that teamer battle rage was for favorite hoplite. That's what I thought that they they that's why they had it. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm sure that's how they justified moving it into the explorer one. <laughs> uh, it's like another Embercleave, but not really. Um, but. Uh, <laughs> So, Jeff, I do have a question for you. Um, slaughter games. So, uh, this card, would you ever consider putting it into your Rakdos deck sideboard? Personally, no. Um, okay. Well, maybe, I don't know, never consider might be strong. Currently, I just wouldn't put this in my deck. I would need a strong reason to, I think. Like, I think we've seen that these effects generally are quite weak. And at four mana sorcery, like, that's a really tough sell. I'm not sure exactly what this is supposed to be targeting. Like, obviously, it's somehow a little bit uh, for control decks, because it can't be countered. But, like, what am I removing? They're, they're Teferis or something? Am I trying that's to remove out of window? Like, this yeah, seems yeah. so, so bad against control decks. It, that, that's basically what I was thinking. So, like, um, Slaughter Games, if you don't know, it's a, a two black-red for a sorcery that can't be countered, and you choose a non-land card. Sorry, you choose a non-land card, and then you search target opponent's graveyard handed library for any number of those cards, you exile them. But, um, basically, it. what I was thinking is that are they... If, looking at I don't know if Wizards does this when they're like looking at the top decks or whatever, but because Rakdos and Control or, or sorry, Azorius Controller are like the top decks, they're like, oh well, we'll give Azorius Control something. And this one can be a sideboard card for against control. But then it's like what card are you going to get? Like, are you going to get Teferi is the the card I would think most often. Like any win conditions so that they can't win. Are you now punishing them for only yeah. playing Supreme Verdict as their only sweeper, and then you take Supreme Verdict so then they don't have sweepers? Like I don't know, what is the card you're, 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 you're The problem with taking Supreme Verdict is I spent my turn four on this, so is my board even that threatening? It's like, I don't know. This card seems like really bad. I, when I saw this, I was just I figured I must be missing something. Like this must be for something. Maybe it is for historic. Um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's good there. Yeah. It doesn't make much sense in Explorer to me. Oh, like, you know what? No, no, no. It's just too ba- too slow. I think it's it's uh, it seems like a really good card against Greasefang. Any Greasefang deck 
if you play slaughter games, I guess you could exile everything though. It doesn't matter. You take Greasefang out of their deck, and then they're fucked. Plus, Greasefang sucks. So <laughs> people like, still play Greasefang. Like red constantly. black isn't. I know, I know. Okay. Yeah, but do people? Doesn't, that doesn't mean it's good. Do, do red black players lose to Greasefang? Like, red black is so good against Greasefang. It exiles from the graveyards. It kills constantly. stuff at instant speed. Like, how is it losing to Grease? If Thought seizes the Greasefangs, if it wants to. So it's a trap. Yeah. So this card is a trap. It's a trap to be craft these and then sideboard them against Greasefang when you shouldn't have to because it's a waste of a sideboard slot. Is that what it is? Yeah, it's probably worse than whatever you sided up. Perfect. So it's a trap. Perfect. All right, we figured it out. Um, <laughs> so oh, um, unless you're siding out Blood Tithe Harvesters, then yeah, I mean, anything. I that, disagree. So. I have come around on that fucking card. That card's so <laughs> irritating. I think the card sucks. It's good. I think it's really good. Um, the fact that you get, you get a three, for two mana you get a three two, and the blood token so that you can turn on your fatal push when you need to, and it does it for ah, it's annoying. Every deck I play, I guess it's just decks I play or suck. Maybe that's what it is. I, I I'm choosing bad <laughs> decks. I think I'm just playing terrible decks, but I think that card is really good. It's just it's so mediocre. I can't believe it's the best two drop. It, that's it's just not. there's no way. But that's there's the no way. but that's what's the better two drop? That's the thing. It's like it's the reason I hate it is because I don't I don't love it. It's not amazing. So then I feel horrible using removal on it, but I have to because a three two is gonna kill me. Plus, like it gets stomped. It does get stomped, but then you <laughs> still have the blood token. Fatal pushed. Yeah, and you still have the blood yeah, token. But you still the deck doesn't use blood tokens that well. I don't know. I'm off. I'm, we had, we already we've already argued about this. I know, but it's been a month, and I still got to talk about it. That <laughs> I changed my I mind. Think people are wrong. No, I think it's good. But I people are too wrong. lazy to try to go find a better option. All right, until of, you it works, it does the trick. It's fine. In, until you present me with a better option, I I still like it. Using because like when you're using okay. Kikijiki and you you make a copy of it and then you kill something so you can attack. That's so annoying. I hate that. It happens to me all the time. That's oh, why. Yeah, but you let your opponent flip a Kikijiki in on top with it, you'd lose to almost anything. Well, well that's not true. <laughs> if it was, whatever. Almost anything. No. I disagree. <laughs> it's not Kikijiki's fault. Um, anyway. <laughs> one, I agree that one of those cards was really good in that scenario <laughs> alright um. <laughs> I think one of those cards is really good and the other one is pretty good but better than not the other one, the other one is extremely <laughs> mediocre it's, it's not extremely it's just good good to slash mediocre but like still good <laughs> yeah I'm not saying it's bad I'm saying I, I have a hard time believing that there's nothing better um okay so another theme there's a whole theme here we can cover this whole theme at once but they decided to bring the Insole Artifact deck in, like the Artifact-themed deck. So they have Insole Artifact and Darksteel Citadel, and then to a lesser extent, just to bolster Artifact-based strategies, they have Hangerback Walker. Yeah. Uh, just as a side note, I've never read Hangerback Walker in my life, because anything that says XX, I just stop reading immediately. I don't give a shit. I guess I stop. <laughs> I don't read that card. <laughs> but continue. Um, yeah, don't worry about it. Hanging yeah. Walker is just, it's just a, it gets a bunch of counters when it dies, it creates that many thopters. 
Um, and Soul Artifact, though, is like a... I don't know if it's still played in Pioneer, but for a while it was like a legitimate deck in Pioneer. The idea being you have Darksteel Citadel, indestructible artifact land, and you ensoul it into a 5-5, and you attack your opponent. And um, plays like, I think Ginger Brute even makes the cut. Like, mm-hmm. it's a fun deck because it plays a lot of cards that nobody else is interested in. So I think it's really cool to bring these ensoul artifact deck into... Uh, into the format um again i don't actually know if it's still viable in pioneer but it was like totally like legitimate i don't know about tier one but tier one or two deck in pioneer for quite a while and it's there's a lot of like it's not easy to play either and it's kind of an aggro deck um it's i think this was a good decision i think it's pretty cool yeah i'm really happy with it too it makes a lot of sense really for historic because obviously they added all of the artifact lands that are indestructible and then they explore one which is also in his story yeah. doesn't matter is also has dark steel citadel but um i think that seems pretty sweet uh even just in general um any th- it, like as a as a flavor person who's like oh doing the turning artifacts into five fives or or turning animating artifacts with i don't we don't have march of the machines because that's a really old card but like tesseret or whatever um is fun that aspect mm-hmm. is covered, but also the deck is actually good, like you were saying, where you can have indestructible creatures that used to be lands. Um, also cool. So um, I do like that. Also, I just love that the art is a pair of scissors. That's what I think every time I see this, is that if scissors were huge, <laughs> yeah. yeah, they'd be fucking scary. <laughs> um, wow. Well, Jeff, I think we've looked over this list pretty well the, the little ones that we haven't mentioned, I think Tireless Tracker is some people's favorite card. Uh, there's a lot of people that are really interested in that and actually started playing Explorer because of it, I think. Uh, so, hey, happy that we grabbed you with, uh, with that card. Um, but uh, That's the card I was most excited about, I think. Really? That's the card that uh, I was talking about earlier that I Insta-crafted. Um, yeah, I mean, Tireless Tracker is a sweet card. I've been playing green black mid-range so oh um, going back to your roots i think t- that's right i think tireless tracker is like convincing enough to try it mm-hmm. you know I've, I've made it pretty clear i'm not super interested in blood tithe harvester uh, i think tireless tracker and like the kg card are different but sort of competing in terms of power level and so the only thing that I think you really, really lose going to green-black from red-black is, uh, like, Chandra. Mm-hmm. There's not really a Chandra equivalent. I've been playing uh, Vraska as my four-mana okay. Planeswalker. I'd like Soren, but I think I've already mentioned that Soren's pretty underwhelming. Uh, but that is nice, because like, d- doesn't that Vraska, you can blow up your permanent, you can sacrifice a permanent to draw a card or something? Yep. Yeah, so you can sacrifice the clues from the tireless tracker to draw. That sounds good. So you don't have to yeah. pay. And, and Vraska is pretty good mm-hmm. and does she like the good. whole abrupt decay thing where mm-hmm. it com- comes down and kills a three drop. Yeah. I think it's not quite as good as Chandra Torch of Defiance. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, Chandra is amazing. Well, it doesn't have four abilities. But you get a little more. <laughs> That's right. Obviously, it's worse. Yeah. It only has three abilities. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's one worse. Um, 
you get a little more like top end power and you can play like scavenging ooze as your two drop which let's be honest is a much better two drop than blood type harvester uh so it's fun i i took a reduke uh, deck list and uh, i've been tweaking that so you know if i'm gonna take a green black mid-range deck list from anyone then, yeah yeah i just it's love funny because i was even like tireless trackers in the format i bet reed duke made a green black deck list mm -hmm. found it immediately and uh started <laughs> playing it i just love the oh so reed duke had a playlist or a, a, a deck list so i i took it and then i've been tweaking it i just love the <laughs> <laughs> yeah well he needed uh he just needed a little bit of help there he didn't have it quite right yeah he wasn't uh, he wasn't playing enough lands <laughs> oh my god uh, he had like wolf willow havens which i'm not smart enough to understand why that was in there so <laughs> took that out yeah took, th took that right out <laughs> uh but yeah anyway Viv vivian reed i don't know if you you played a lot during the vivian reed days but uh yeah. reed duke had that in there i was like oh yeah we're, we're getting a singleton vivian reed in here that's yeah sweet. but yeah i think we're coming kind of kind of close to the getting ready for last call besides that we have like shadowborn apostle which i haven't seen a single deck for tainted remedy which seems fun but i haven't seen a single deck for um yeah oh yeah. tainted remedy is one of those rares that you get scammed on for buying this mm -hmm. <laughs> you're never gonna play tainted remedy no and well instead i'm the one who's like oh but tainted remedy is so cool because i got it in a pack once and i always wanted to make it work and then and then you just yeah. yeah and then you get scammed so once again remember don't buy this only craft the cards that you want because that's what it's for don't get scammed by yeah, the store just craft your tireless trackers and and call it a day there you go don't get scammed by the store perfect <sighs> <sighs> jeff are you ready for last call do you have any last thoughts before we go to last call uh, yeah, I think my last thoughts, just wanted to reiterate that I think this is a pretty good anthology. Like, uh, it's easy to be underwhelmed by anthologies because, as we mentioned earlier, they contain one or two cards for each type of, for each player. Um, so it's easy to look at this and be like, oh, most of this is stuff I don't want. But that's just the reality of what this type of product is they're trying to appease a lot of different types of players yeah. and so if you get your your bar should be like if i get one really cool card that i'm excited to play that's awesome i craft that and you know it opens up some new deck choices for me and for me personally i got more than that you know there are like maybe three or four cards that i think are cool or that i could see myself crafting and, and playing with and a lot of it's uncommon so there's no like real cost to to giving it a try like you said you just crafted everything that wasn't a rare uh, or mythic mm -hmm. and so i think overall like to me this is a pretty successful anthology even if i think you're totally right that uh, this was a different project originally and got split and like some of the cards don't make a lot of sense but there are just some really good like fun picks here that are super cool and yeah uh, you know if they if they purged Elvish Mystic from it, it'd be it'd be really great. So, <laughs> I mean, how much better is it that we got this product than a historic anthology that had a bunch of commander cards for no reason? Isn't that better, right? Right. Yeah, it's much better than that. They were like, "What the fuck is?" This I mean, card? you might be like, "Why the hell is Shadowborn Apostle here?" And you'd be like, "It doesn't matter. That's a it, random comment." 
hey, just to you, fill things out. Also, if you buy four of them, you have an infinite number. You don't. It's not like Paper Wars. Shadowborn Apostles <laughs> are like, but I don't know. I don't know how much they cost. Like, I think they're they're five dollars. They're more than five dollars. I don't know how much they are, but it's a ridiculous That's amount of money. Outrageous. It's just like Jesus. How am I supposed to build this deck? And then if you end up not wanting it, you have to sell like thirty Shadowborn Apostles. I don't know. Anyway. Um, it's much better to play that deck on arena and then lose and realize it's not good. So, um, <clears throat> with that, really bad. That's really bad. Uh, <clears throat> with that, let us go to last call. All right, Jeff. Before we pick our beers, should we talk about our rating system for the beers? No. All right. Let's not. Just kidding. It's been a while. Let's do it. We have to run through it. Let's do it by memory. Um, <laughs> So, as yeah. always, we rate our beers on a scale from bronze to mythic, just like the tears in arena. <laughs> Look at that. Isn't that fun? Um, uh, this has no reflection on where you are as a arena player and what tier you're in, because everyone's in different tiers at different times, so we're not trying to poo-poo on you. But bronze beers are trash. They're horrible. They're so bad, you have to pour them out. They're what I hope that my first homebrew beer that I am brewing right now as in carbonation stage is not going to be because otherwise I'm going to have to throw out five gallons of beer that I made and that would suck. That's a lot of beer, yeah. Yeah. No, I'm sure it's not. Uh, hopefully it's at least silver. <laughs> this means beers that don't have a lot going on. Uh, most macro brews tend to fall into this category. Yep. Uh, gold beers are fine, but you don't really think about them that much and they're just kind of there. Yeah, platinum beers are good, uh, and you would drink it, you know, you would drink it. <laughs> <laughs> platinum beers are solid. They're good. They're good beers. You like them. <laughs> All right. Diamond beers are exceptional. These are beers that you recommend to your friends. These are beers that you really like and you are talking about often. And the beers obviously are the best of the best. These are the beers that... Hold that special place in your heart. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, Jeff. Do you have your beer selected for this night's winner? Yeah, this is a tough one for me because they're both favorites of mine. But I, yeah, I have my, okay. I think I have my choice. I have my choice as well. Uh, I have the can in my hand and ready to show. On three. Here we go. Three, two, one. Mad Tom. Mad Tom. Nice. I wow. I got rid of my can during the beer <laughs> when we went to get another beer. Clearly haven't done this in a while. That is totally uh, fine. It's in my recycling bin downstairs. <laughs> I thought uh, you were just showing me a glass. Um, but no. Mad Tom. Yeah. That's crazy. Okay. I wasn't thinking you were going to pick this. I really wasn't. Um, I didn't think I was either. I didn't think I was either. Yeah, look at that. Um... Let's go into it. Jump right into the rating of Mad Tom. Um, I'll start because I think you have some, some, some things to say. But uh, quickly, uh, this is a beer that I had uh, fairly early on, one of probably the first Toronto beers I tried. And I remember not liking it very much. I remember being very like, ah, okay, it's an IPA, it's fine. And then kind of moving on. But um, trying it again against another beer that I thought was superior, actually. I was coming into this thinking Life in the Clouds was definitely better. Um, Mad Tom really just kind of grew on me. It felt much more like what what I'm looking for in an IPA. 
maybe it's just the West Coast style or the rebranding of the West Coast style. But um, if I'm going to get uh, IPAs, I think that this might be the one that I'm actually wanting. So maybe I should just get more of these. Yeah, I was surprised. I've sort of had the opposite effect where, you know, I had Mad Tom when I was a teenager. And that was like my first craft beer that I really got into. I don't even think I liked it at first. I was just ordering it because it was like different um and then i drank it enough that i started to like it and then it became like oh that's what an ipa is but i as i started to sort of when i got older and started to actually drink craft beer you know quite a few years later it was like oh i probably just liked mad tom because i didn't know what i was talking about and uh so i always had it in my mind that mad tom just probably wasn't actually that good it was just what uh what I happen to like and even till like pretty recently it's just been like I like it but I understand if other people don't like it and now when I'm actually like tasting it and trying to come up with a rating I was like you know what actually it is it is just good it's just good um and it is closer to like the style of beer that I like which you know altogether could be because this was my first sort of craft beer experience but I like West Coast-style IPAs, sort of lighter, less fruity, you know, almost citrusy. Um, and so, yeah, I've sort of been refreshed on it now from having to, like, actually sit down and try to give it a grade. I'm like, wait a minute. It's not bad and I like it. It's just good. <laughs> yeah. I, I agree with that. Um, this is... Oh. Do I want to give this a really good rating? I don't know. Um, but it's definitely opened my eyes a bit because Twice as Mad I really liked when we had it on the show. Um, and so I thought that I would... I, just this one, that was just like a nominally. And this one's just not very good. But it is. I think this is good. I think I should buy this more. I think I should tell other people to buy this more. Which I think means that it's like... Just there, I'm probably going to give it... It's the best Muskoka beer. It, it's got to be. So I think it's going to be Diamond. I'm going to yeah, give this Maybe diamond. twice as bad is better. I don't know. Yeah, but that's um, in the same family, you know. Yeah, it's one of those weird things where, like, Muskoka is such an old microbrewery here that it's achieved, like, macrobrewery status in my mind. Where it's like, oh, mm -hmm. yeah, it's a Muskoka. Or, like, similar to, you know, for Toronto folks, Amsterdam Brewery. Like, mm -hmm. I don't even really think of it as <laughs> microbrewery. Um, because it honestly, a lot of the time is closer to a macro brewery than a, yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so you, you tend to like have bias against those beers then you're like, ah, oh, it's Muskoka. Like, you know, I know what Muskoka is. Let me get something interesting. Um, but you forget that they got there for a reason, right? Like they made, it's true. it wasn't just that they were making beer when nobody else was, it was like the beer they made was good enough to survive in an era when craft beer was not like all the rage. So the, yeah, the beer that, that they there made was something there. The beer that they made was good enough that people who who maybe didn't like beer or didn't like craft beer tasted this and liked it. Which is crazy because there are a lot of right. people who taste this and think that they drink IPAs and think that it's bad. It's gone bad. And uh, no, if you can get them, you get them. I like it. Yeah. 
I want to give it like mythic star because it's like mythic for me, but I mm-hmm. want to acknowledge that it's not like yeah, there's a lot of uh, nostalgia going on in that rating. Uh, so probably like a legitimate rating of diamond if I was trying to be a little more. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You you give it a mythic. You know what? I like it. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. It's our show. It's our show. Yeah, it's, it's a mythic. It's a mythic. I'm going to put a star next to it just so we remember, but mythic. You gave it mythic. It doesn't matter. Yeah. If it, it's, you know, nostalgia plays a role, who cares? Um, all right. So let's talk about Life in the Clouds, which really disappointed me. Like, a lot. Um, you disappointed me. I think of their IPAs, this one went from, like, <laughs> was one that I was like, oh... This is one of the ones I really like to, to ones I'm like, oh, I'm just less inclined to get it. I don't, I don't know. It has some of the, the flavors that I'm not looking for in beer. And uh, I, I don't know. I, was, I, I wasn't super happy with it, actually. It seemed a little bit more clear for me. But what, this is a beer that you drink often. So what, what do you think? Of? Yeah, I think having to rate it, too, it's like, oh, it's, I, it didn't do as well as I thought it was going to do. But... I thought it was still fine. Like, it's still just a good example of a New England style IPA for me. Um, but I think I remember first having it, and being like, "Oh, that's good." Maybe I've just had it so much now, or I've tried other beers that you know the the competition has gotten better. I don't know, but I was sort of like, "Yeah, this is just fine." Yeah, I um, with Collective Arts, I'll probably get all their other IPAs before this one, probably. I still think it's good, but if I'm in the... If I'm being really truthful... <sighs> I don't want to do this. I didn't think I was going to do this, but I'll probably give it gold. I'm not going to get this one very often. <sighs> after, And this is so weird, because yeah. I thought Mad Tom was for sure gold. And I thought that this was at least platinum pushing diamond, and drinking them together has really changed my mind. Oof. That's not what I was thinking, but I did it. I said it. It's yeah. Up. Coming in, I think my guess would have been that Mad Tom was platinum and this was diamond. I think I'll mm-hmm. still leave this in diamond for me. I still think it's good enough. That uh, I think it's different to you. I, I think this is still the best uh, collective arts IPA. Mm-hmm. But like that's a huge style thing too, right? Like depends how much you want these juicy New England style IPAs. I really think it is something a little crisper, or you know. Yeah. Oh, you know what? That just seems so bad. Nah, I don't know. I already said it. It's too late to try to take it back. Because um, I'm thinking. Well, now, it's well, now I'm thinking of gold beers that we've said in the past and how little they meant to me. So uh, I would still feel confident. <laughs> Ah, do I change my rating? I can't change my rating. It's too late. Oh. No, it's too late. All right. It's too late. It's really close to, to platinum, though. It's really, really close. But, um, yeah, yeah. I, I, think I think this might also be like Diamond Star, right? Where yeah. <laughs> it's just like my ratings on these beers are high because I personally uh, like them and have an affiliation with them. But Absolutely. Um, anyway, with that, oof, that was... Maybe this is why we don't do these old school beers because it's like... Really pulls on your heartstrings a little bit. <laughs> um, these classic ones are really That's intense. Right. 
but uh, it's coming. Like, wait, out. do I like Bud Light better than I like Life in the Clouds? Is that is that what this podcast is? I've done? been buying so much more <laughs> Bud Light since our Silver Series. Like it's crazy the amount of times where I'm looking at beers. I'm like, yeah. no, but. I know Bud Light's just better than these other ones. <laughs> like, <laughs> like yeah. some of these pilsners or lagers. I was like, no, I like Bud Light better. <laughs> this sucks. Yeah. <laughs> I'm this guy now. Um, I wish I didn't know that about myself. But I do. <laughs> uh, anyway, it is time for closing time. <sighs> As always, you can reach us at The Arena Regulars on Twitter and Instagram and TikTok sometimes, kind of, a little bit. Yeah, you can also find us on Arena under the username Arena Regulars Podcast if you decide to build a time machine and go back and play like a year ago. Yeah, basically. Um, you can find me personally <laughs> to be like, hey, why don't you go on your Arena Regulars uh, Arena account anymore? Uh, you can talk to me at Zulberg, that is Z-E-U-L-B-E-R-G on Twitter and Instagram and TikTok, but Jeff, where can they find you? I also have Twitter, and it's at MTG. I think. B-L-U-E-S-B-R-E-W-S-M-T-G. If you really want to talk to us slash Jeff, you should go to our Discord channel. Um, that is where we actually right. talk to people. Uh, it's a lot easier to, to find us and have a good connection with us, so just find us. It's Arena Regulars on Discord. If you can't find that, just go to our Twitter. It's a pinned message right at the top, so you just click on that. Just join us and, you know, we'll send you decks, I guess. Or you'll send us decks and we'll tell you why are you playing Elvish Mystic. <laughs> um, or at least Jeff will. Um, you'll say for consistency and I'll be like, uh, fine. Yeah. Uh, anyways, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, on iTunes. Follow us on Spotify and leave us a re review there as well. Keep listening wherever you are and subscribe to us on our YouTube channel. Leave us a comment. Yeah, basically, just find a way to say hey, and it means a lot. We really like when people find a way to say hey. This has been the Arena Regulars. Reminding you that that Explorer anthology would have been perfect if they had replaced Elvish Mystic with Dubious Challenge. Good night. That's fine.